Welcome. You are tuning in to Around the Table with a Judges podcast presented by Property Guru, Property Report, the official magazine of Asia Property Awards and Asia Real Estate Summit. In this special series, you will meet the notable names behind our independent judging panel across our 14 awards markets in 12 countries. Together, we will dive into the nitty-gritty of the judging process, as well as figure out why they are the most deserving to judge leading industry players. Hello, my name is Tina Ryan, and thanks for joining us for another special episode of our Judges Podcast. Today, it is with great pleasure that we introduce the esteemed judging panel of the ninth Property Guru Asia Property Awards, Mainland China, Hong Kong, and Macau. Before we proceed, may we have our judges introduce themselves, starting with our dearest chairpersons. Oh, hello, everyone. Um, my name is Ken Ip, and I'm here today uh, representing on behalf of the judging committee from the mainland China region for this year's Property Guru Asia Property Awards. Uh, very briefly, um, at a professional level, I'm currently the Assistant General Manager and Group Head of Marketing at BSE Group, in charge of the marketing of the engineering, design, construction, wholesale, and retail business, which include over 200 lifestyle brands. And at a personal level, um, I enjoy reading a lot and have written two books named Life Hacks and Growth Hacks. I'm also an Associate Professor in Marketing Technology and is an active speaker, columnist, and commentator in tech, real estate, branding, and e-commerce. And at present, I'm also the chairman of the Asia Marketers Society and is serving on the board of directors of several uh, professional organizations, including two universities. And it's, a, and it's a great pleasure to be here today. Thank you so much, Dr. Ken. We have the chairperson this time for Hong Kong and Macau, Mr. Paul Che. Thank you, Tina, and uh, all my fellow judges. What a wonderful occasion. I've been associated with the Asia Property Awards uh, for quite a number of years, and uh, my memory serves me correct. It has been something like seven or eight years at least. Um, I have been involved in property development, property investment, and hotel investment for about 30 to 40 years uh, in uh, China, Hong Kong, Macau, US, Canada, uh, Vietnam, uh, and several other countries uh, in uh, Southeast Asia. It's been a wonderful industry and wonderful industry segment to be associated with in the past 30 years. But um, the past 10 years have been, I think, one of the most fulfilling, uh, given the fact that uh, organizations like the Asia Property Awards have been leading the way, showing us how we can plow ahead with new visions and how we can all help to lift the standards in property sector and the hotel sector towards new directions and towards a new level. I'm just grateful that uh, I've been given this opportunity to work with various judges uh, along the way, all of whom uh, excel in the various areas of expertise and to work with the participants who over the years have grown from strength to strength. Uh, this is the first time I believe that we've done a podcast we're, we're just fortunate to have someone like Tina Ryan joining us, leading the way, showing us how best to present the Asia Property Awards. And uh, with all these fellow judges that I'm working with, I'm learning every step of the way. Thank you. 
Okay, thank you, Tina. Okay, thank you, Chairman. Thank you all. Uh, it was a pleasure for me to uh, join the judge team of the award. Um, my name is James Wu. I've been working as a valuer in China over more than 25 years. And uh, I've been working different of uh, asset class and then different of uh, type of uh, property in different provinces and city of the China. Um, this is all my interest. I'm very uh, keen to look at uh, all the properties and then to value it and then find the uh, interest over there. And uh, beside the property, I also work with uh, all the valuation of other uh, assets like class, like the uh, intangible assets, distressed assets, or financial instrument, and different types of the uh, sectors. Uh, not only real estate, some of the um, area on the and other entertainment, tourism, pharmaceutical, energy, etc. So particularly. Well, personally, I my my first priority, my interest is property. So, um, thank you for me to have this opportunity. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Gregory Koo. I was the managing director of JAL Zhongzheng Lausanne Macau and Zhihai for 16 years, mainly from 2005. I went there from Hong Kong to set up. The company on behalf of Zhongzheng itself and took me 16 years to, to build the size. Right now it's more than 300 staff in the office. And earlier this year I decided to re relocate back to Hong Kong okay, uh, to be the executive officer uh, reporting to the managing director in Hong Kong. So I, I worked with him as a consultant. So this is my background. Thank you, gentlemen. Now for your first question. Since the awards program was established in your respective territories nine years ago, our independent judging panel has played such a vital role in the program. Though it may seem very straightforward, being a judge can be quite tricky. So can you please explain to our listeners what it is that you do as a judge? Perhaps I can have a go first, Steve. The other gentlemen don't mind. Of course, um, please go ahead. Yeah, sure. Um, as a member of the judging committee, I think um, first and foremost, we play a very important role um, in safeguarding and maintaining the standards of the Asia Property Awards uh, to ensure that it remains in the highest quality and the gold standards for the industry. And I guess secondly, uh, it's to help promote and grow the credibility of the awards program in the region. And that's exactly why uh, James, Paul, Gregory, and myself are here today to help broadcast and promote this wonderful event. And I guess aside from our marketing duties, um, as I said, our job as judges is to ensure that the awards entries are being reviewed and assessed uh, professionally according to the um, award uh, criteria and guidelines established uh, for each category. And, and yes, the process uh, can be quite rigorous and, and, and demands quite a lot of time and energy. But I think all in all, um, I felt the experience of judging is very uh, rewarding and very uh, enjoyable because not often you get the chance and opportunity to, to be involved and surrounded by uh, such an elite uh, group of in industry professionals uh, and spending time together to share and discuss um, our thoughts on real estate, architecture, designs and industry trends. So for me personally, I think the experience is very pleasant and memorable. 
Thank you, Chairperson Dr. Ken. Sir Paul, would you like to go ahead? The way I look at it, um, the reason why the Asia Property Awards is so successful is the fact that there are three critical elements which have been present every year. And these three critical elements are, I think, number one, the organizational ability of the Asia Property Awards uh, event organizers. Uh, number two, the quality of the participants or entrants. And number three, um, really the quality of judges. And over the years, I'm, I'm so happy to see that there's several elements which have which has shown through in terms of quality of the judges. The independence, the expertise, the professionalism, and something which not too many people spoke about, the diplomacy. Um, it's a tricky process as the question itself has uh, pretty much defined uh, one of the qualities. And it's so easy to step on people's toes including the participants, some of whom might be your clients or potential clients, some of whom are your fellow judges sitting on the panel. And to be able to stand your ground, to continue to be independent, to show your expertise and professionalism, and at the same time discharge your duties, I think calls for diplomacy. And I'm just happy to see that over the years, uh, that quality has shown through. And it's so important to be able to maintain uh, a cordial attitude uh, towards judges, towards participants, towards the organizers. And that is the culture of the Asia Property Awards, which I think have been propelling the award onwards and upwards throughout the years. Thank you, Dr. Paul. Greg, James, feel free to jump right in. Well, to, to add what did a judge do, the most enjoyable part is inspection. I like to do the inspection for all the applicants, the buildings, either buildings or more, or even a bit out job. I mean, this all the process is very enjoyable and I learn a lot of things and I can make some, I mean, co uh, comment and views to, to finally make the decision who is the winner. So. Uh, the site inspection is very important and enjoyable for me. Now, I think my professionalism in the uh, variation itself will be I think, helping the all the judges. I mean, to uh, one of the I mean, the, one of the uh, important uh, I think point uh, regarding on the award is the uh, value of the assets or maybe in the um, sustainability of the assets. So I think my professionalism probably I hope I can help the judge and also to to to, to find out you know to miss out if most, I mean, valuable, you know, assets and property. Thank you, gentlemen. Now, your knowledge and expertise in the sector have proven to be beneficial in judging your colleagues' work. Yet, we cannot deny the fact that you will have your own preferences in the process or material or design. Our question is, how do you make sure that you remain unbiased? Perhaps I can I can I can start again if um, the other gentlemen don't mind. Um, Certainly. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, um, honestly speaking, it would be near impossible to to eliminate you know all personal feelings and preferences. 
from judging, especially when it comes down to judging, you know, design and aesthetics. I think it's just part of human nature. So that's exactly why we have a, a panel of judges, and not just relying on one single individual or person that does all the scoring. So in other words, the final results will and, and must be a collective uh, decision. And also, we go through a very um, rigorous and extensive um, evaluation process. So um, each entry is scored and ranked against um, a set of specific uh, or specified uh, matrix and criteria that are um, they're clear, well-defined, and acts as a guideline for the judges. So um, this helps ensure um, fairness and um, standardization during the, the judging procedure. So in my opinion, it helps me as a judge um, to base my assessment and judgment more um, objectively. Chairman Paul? Well, you know, this this question actually uh, is, is uppermost in my mind every year. Uh, besides the fact that we do have a panel of judges coming from different backgrounds, coming from different cities, uh, actually contributes to the diversity, but at the same time, the impartiality of the panel as a whole. That obviously is point number one. Point number two, which I think is equally important, is that every year the organizer will bring in an independent third party auditor. Now these fellows are tough. Once you stay, when once you stray out of the the the, the, uh, the guidelines, they will remind you, and that I think uh, is important because sometimes in the heat of moment of discussions or arguments, um, you tend one tends, and I do from time to time, tend to be uh, swayed by my bias. And it's important to have fellow judges coming in and reminding me that, hey, you know, you're out of line, fella. Uh, or, uh, and I have seen it happen from time to time, the auditor would step in and say, well, this is not quite on. Uh, and I had a, a chat yesterday when we were having a meeting with the uh, Hong Kong and Macau panel of judges. Uh, and I asked the question of the organizer, Jules, uh, that um, the fact that the organizers now listed on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, does that uh, impose any additional restrictions on what judges can do or cannot do? Uh, and I, at, at the same time, uh, said that, look, we have full disclosure. We have clear guidelines. And I'm just so glad that uh, all of us are mindful of a wider perspective and a wider uh, objective which is way beyond our own personal bias. And I'm very happy to say that I have seen judges uh, taking very, very good care of the wider perspective. That's a nice thing to see. Thank you. So one thing to add is the diversity of our judging panel helps a lot. I mean, for, for this bias or, or argument, depends on how you look at it. As per my memory, we don't argue a lot. I mean, we, we usually respect each other's comments and sooner or later we can come to a decision who, who is the winner in, in my past so many years experience as a, as a judges. Yeah, the judges come out different professional. I think in, in my field of professionalism, you know, the um, I was member of the RICS, you know, we, I mean, we don't just 
not allow no bias. <laughs> we are not we are working on the no bias in our work. So so I don't think the bias you know in our professional will exist. You know personally during not only for these purposes of the judges and also all the works that we we have been doing. Let's move on to the process itself, gentlemen. What if, uh, let's say, the entire judging panel is torn between um, two major candidates? How do you choose the winner? Go ahead, Dr. Ken. Unfortunately, um, this does happen. Well, not often, but it does happen occasionally. And I think as a judge, um, it can become um, quite a headache for, for, for us uh, when you're presented with uh, two very strong entries, uh, both deserving the merit uh, to be recognized as the outright, outright winner. And, and, and when such um, occasion occurs, I think there are one or two things you can, you can do. Um, first, you can either you know, revisit the nature uh, or the category of which the entries are competing for. And you would ask the judges to kind of rethink and reassess and to base their, their decision on the criteria. Uh, given for that particular category. And often or not, um, this would quite immediately resolve um, such an awkward situation where uh, one would, one of them would uh, kind of emerge as the uh, out, outright winner. Uh, and if this process fails, and I'm afraid this is where the respective um, the regional chairperson will step in and help decide the winner, because uh, as, as far as I understand, uh, he or she would be the person uh, responsible for presenting the project to the fi grand final judging panel for the uh, grand final awards. So um, that would be my uh, humble opinion. Right, you know, I fully agree with that. And I would just add two more points. Number one, I believe in cream floating to the top. And through a robust discussion, we always solicit the best views from all the judges on every entry, have a robust dialogue, have an argument if we need to, and hopefully we come to a consensus, which is in the best of Asian tradition. We try to come to a consensus. But as Dr. Yip was saying, sometimes that fails. And when that fails, we go to point number two, our fail-safe fail measure of putting it to a vote. And as a chairman of the Hong Kong Macau panel, I'm happy to say that uh, when we have a tie, I'll put in my casting vote. And therefore, I think the important thing is to solicit honest opinions. Number two, try to come to a consensus. And number three, when all else fails, put it to a vote. And that's how we get the best entries. And that's how the best entry will always come up tops. Thank you, Chairman Paul. Greg, James, anything you want to add? For me, the most important, sorry, James, for me, the most important thing is site inspection. I mean, when you walk into the site, walk into the building, I mean, you will tell. If you look at the design, the efficiency, the materials, more important, the workmanship. I mean, it will make a difference. It will tell you who is the winner. Although the skill is very, very, very similar. I mean, the GFA is very similar. But if you do the site inspection, if you can, uh, it will tell you who is the winner. I mean, this is my experience. 
Yeah, it's difficult to find, you know, something that two is very identical, right? There must be some difference between those two subjects, especially on the property, right? Right. So I think the it is the use of the all the uh, you know knowledge of from the professional and the judges. I think you know for the final you know scanning and vote. I think we. Could able to you know define the difference between them. Of course, just as chairman say, if it doesn't happen, I think the final you know there will be a final vote to decide it anyway. And um, how about if a judge is connected to a certain project or developer, are they still allowed to cast their vote? What is the what is the process in such a, in such a case? Well, I think the answer to this is pretty straightforward. Um, for those individuals who are connected or linked uh, to a certain project or on what entry, whether as a designer or a developer or consultant involved, uh, that particular judge will be excused from voting and giving their opinion on that particular entry. I think no questions about it. And, and this is just a sensible procedure to avoid any, you know, like potential conflict of interest. And and we do ask all the judges to be mindful and to declare anything. Uh, you know, potential conflict of interest uh, upfront. Um, I think we have a zero uh, tolerance policy towards this matter. And I, I know, although it sounds quite harsh to the, the viewers, but it's, this is just all to ensure that uh, there's fairness across um, all participants and giving um, credibility to the eventual um, awards recipients. Well, I largely agree with uh, uh, Dr. Yip. We have a very strict code of conduct not just within the Asia Property Awards, but for all of us who serve in civic duties and for all of us that are professionals, or whether we're professionals or not, uh, the declaration of interest is something that uh, this uh, award uh, process takes very seriously. So that is upfront and uh, very much in everyone's face, uh, and I'm glad it is. Now, uh, as far as voting is concerned, that obviously is something which which will not be allowed. A person, regardless of whether interest has been declared, is not allowed to vote. Now, as to whether the person can participate in the discussion, I think uh, uh, there, there might be some room for flexibility there. But certainly, the person who is connected to a project should not be allowed to dominate discussions. Uh, uh, however, he might have something uh, to contribute, and, and that opinion uh, might uh, actually serve the process rather uh, positive in a rather positive manner. So I will not necessarily disallow contribution of opinion, but I would certainly insist on declaration of interest, and I would certainly insist on the person not voting. Totally agree with Dr. Ken and Chairman Agree. I mean, I just. For the yesterday meeting, I just declare a project in Macau that I may have a personal conflict. So I just remind everyone clearly that I will not vote for that. Okay, for our fifth question, this year, gentlemen, you will be presenting several accolades to our winners. Among the titles to be presented is the best integrated work from home development. Do you think that this will remain a must have feature? for users with offices opening up? I think absolutely. Um, I think the office or, or the workplace where traditionally, you know, showing your face every day used to be the name of the game. 
I think this game or this、um, old-fashioned mentality has now changed.、Uh, for many companies,、uh, the pandemic and the hybrid working、uh, have now completely changed the very idea and the purpose of the workplace.、Uh, and the office of today, in a post-pandemic world, I believe, is what a lot of experts are now referring to as a social destination. So as a result,、um, a lot of the modern-day offices are now、uh, being radically re-、uh, redesigned. And if you think about it, right?、Um, in the past, the concept or the notion of an office design was functional at best, because it was simply the place where employees went because they had to. And in management、uh, speak, there has been a, a paradigm shift, so to speak.、Uh, since the pandemic,、um, the offices of many multinational companies have had a dramatic facelift. So, for example, outgone rows of desks and cubicles, and income collaboration spaces, and And、uh, relaxation uh, zones, and, and I think the main driver、um, for this type of、uh, redesign boom is hybrid working. So, where in the post-pandemic world, working partly at home、um, and working partly in the office is now seen as the new normal by many employees of these、uh, multinational companies. And I think this has redefined、um, the purpose of company offices and the reasons why employees have to go there. So take、um, Twitter for example. I think recently the CEO have announced、um, cutting down、uh, the number of workplaces, and would even provide a, a, a work from home kind of substitute, so the employees can purchase better equipment、uh, to work at home. So yeah. So simply, my、uh, my answer is yes. Just one、uh, supplement. I think、uh, there is absolutely no doubt that the hybrid work environment is here to stay. Uh, the way I would address this question、uh, is that we should be flexible.、Uh, the extent to which the hybrid model、uh, sustains itself and possibly elevates itself to a higher level of importance depends on the environment and depends on how things progress from here.、Uh, therefore, what is important for us is not so much whether it will be here; it will definitely be here. It, it is the level of Importance that we attach to it, whether it's going to be one of the top five items in the list of awards, or the bottom five, or somewhere in the middle, and that I think can actually change from year to year, depending on what's happening in the market and what's happening in the environment.、Uh, and and、uh, just as everything else that's happening、uh, globally, things are really susceptible to change, and we just need to be quick on our feet and be nimble. I agree with Paul. I mean, is we should be very flexible because COVID is changing year by year or month by month. So the working style, I think, we it should be flexible. It's changing every day or every year. Oh, I think this、uh, hybrid working space, I think, will be maintained. Further agree, and the work at home is a trend. Uh, also, work in the office. So before, in the traditional way of things,、uh, we looking at the beauty of the building externally. Okay, of course, we looking at internally as well. But for the working environment, because of the COVID, now the people are more concentrating on the internal working environment. Not not only the offices, but the office including the the home environment together, and how to make the work more efficiency and you know more 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 efficiency more more more. More, more, more helpful things like that. So I think it will get on. So it is a、uh, one, yeah,、um, agree.、Uh, one of the、um, 
um, uh, very you know and new things in the in the in the market, and will be continue. You will also be presenting awards to developments that prioritize health and wellness and are eco-friendly. In this day and age, how crucial is it that we continue to reward such projects? I think certainly very important, and, and these projects should be uh, encouraged. Um, to me, I think the reason is pretty straightforward. Um, as repeated studies have shown that a focus on employee and workplace well-being can result in many, many benefits, you know, such as uh, improved productivity, increased morale, uh, you know, like fewer sick leaves uh, and better staff retention. So I think ideally um, a well-rounded uh, workplace should focus on elements such as, you know, flexible work areas, um, you know, office neighborhoods, um, private space, economic furniture, you know, natural light, thermal comfort, and water and air quality. Um, in essence, I think something for everyone. Um, and in the past, many green, you know, building standards such as LEED have uh, focused solely or primarily on the built built, built environment, uh, like in, in terms of like materiality uh, and energy consumption. But I think as the ties have shifted and the lines between uh, work and life becomes more blurred, and it's even more vital for employers to kind of prioritize the well-being. Uh, for the people. So um, new certification standards or relatively newer certif certification standards such as um, the wealth standard um, are emerging and kind of revolutionizing um, the way people think about buildings. So for example, uh, well now explores you know how design uh, operations and behaviors within the places where we you know live, work and learn and play can be optimized to advance um, human health and well-being. So this includes requirements in air, water, you know, like nourishment, um, light, fitness, comfort, oh, and the mind. So uh, in practice, this could translate to design elements such as, you know, having a fitness room or a gym, um, having things like uh, purified drinking water stations, or, or even access to fresh air or green space by, you know, like a courtyard or outdoor sitting area, etc., etc. So this means recognizing that creating such an environment uh, is an investment, but not a quick fix. But yes, uh, put it simply, I think they sh these projects should be uh, encouraged. Well, the two key concepts here, I think, are number one, young professional workers. And number two, work-life balance. Um, however, there is still a generational difference in perception between people of an older age, like myself, and the rest of you. Uh, but I'm glad to say that actually that gap is narrow. And what the Asia Property Awards has been doing in the past one or two years, and what I think it will continue to do in the next few years, is to try to bring those two concepts to the forefront, so that it's not just the young people that are clamoring for that uh, improvement in work environment but that people realize that it is a matter of investment. It is a matter of making sure that all your workers are happy coming into the office, offering the best with an increase in productivity. So I have no doubt that we should continue to promote that life work-life balance and to continue with that improvement in work environment. 
James, Greg? For me, I think one works come from our professional sustainable. I think a sustainable building, including what just Dr. Gay and other chairman were saying, is all including, you know, not only the, the building, not only the building material, but including the internal, the work environment, you know, the people working in there, how to make their better working place. I think, yeah, sustainable building, yeah, it's one of the best. Well, I, I, I think we should continue I mean, emphasize or encourage this green and or, or eco environment or features in our awards. Given, I mean, the whole world is doing this. The GG20, all the MNC and global firms are encouraged these inputs and, and all these features. I mean, this is normal already. I think it's part of our work. So we, we cannot forget it. Okay, gentlemen, we are down to our last question. Now, each of you were appointed because of your valuable contributions to the industry, which means that your responsibilities extend to more than just being a judge. So we wonder, what is it that makes this role worth your time? Well, obviously, it's the fame and fortune, right? <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Well, in real estate, people always talk about, you know, location, location, location. I think for me, uh, being involved as a judge, it's about the experience, the experience and the experience. So the experience to be connected and, and to learn from other industry experts, you know, um, and the opportunity to, um, to review and assess some of the best real estate projects and designs from across Asia. And most importantly, interacting with the people, you know, especially the team at the Property Guru Group especially the unsung heroes uh, behind the scene that makes this event into a success. And lastly, um, I think it's the opportunity to gain um, new insights and fresh ideas from my uh, fellow colleagues, all of which have made the experience uh, very rewarding and, and I would say it's a priceless experience. Chairman well, Paul? Yes, you, you know, fame and fortune is all very fine and nice. Uh, and uh, uh, in the case of the Asia Property Awards, I, I think there, there is quite a bit of fame and fortune, but uh, I, I think the benefits really comes from something which uh, might sound a little bit cliche, but actually, when you look at property companies across the spectrum, across the universe and looking at it globally, all of us have been looking at a profit motive uh, in the past few years and ironically probably as a result of the um, dichotomy between the uh, the have and the have-nots as uh, exemplified in many countries you actually have a new movement coming out um, in the western countries uh, minimum tax is now minimum corporate tax is now being championed and with good results. Uh, in China, for example, there is talk of common prosperity. I mean, all of these are actually in response to the fact that there's a, a very significant majority of people who feel that they are being left behind. And I think what um, uh, Asia Property Awards have been doing uh, in this respect, in terms of uh, increasing the level of competence uh, elevating standards in the property industry, bringing in ESG, making sure that professional 
qualifications are being stressed, and that companies look at design, companies look at the impact uh, on the carbon footprint. I think all these are really very uh, important and uh, 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 really admirable qualities that all of us should champion. And I'm just happy to be part of it. And I'm happy to see that uh, all our fellow judges and all the participants are giving this more and more prominence over the years. And I'm sure that this will continue. Thank you, Chairman Paul. Um, yeah, I think the most attractive point for me is firstly the word is Asia, right? We normally look at the you know the world, so what is the world's most beautiful, or the best building? Now seems that we concentrate on the purple of looking at the Asia, right? <laughs> so I've been in the Asia market for very long. So uh, when I do uh, the angle to different angle to actually weigh the, a best building or you know the, the award, this is how it works. So it's not just the um, beauty from the architect or just maybe the best of the, for example, the revenue or income or the best material of the building. It's a building set which balance, uh, you know, it's a very good balancing and then rent it out at the end. So I think this is how, you know, I I, I was very interesting, you know, become a judge in here and also to do this job. So finally, it's me. For me, I mean, this judging process is a good opportunity for me to learn. I mean, I can see a lot of new buildings, new design, new architects every year. So it's a really, I mean, good process for me to learn as a real estate professional. I, I enjoy it very much, honestly. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Now, before we end this episode, may we have our chairpersons invite our leading developers and designers to participate in the 2022 edition of the Property Guru Asia Property Awards. We have from mainland China, Hong Kong, and Macau. Well, um, the countdown to the 2022 Asia Property Awards, uh, mainland China, has uh, begun. Um, as one of the region's largest and most respected real estate awards programs, we're back again to recognize and to celebrate the most outstanding uh, real estate projects, developers, designers, and industry players in the market. So um, please nominate now if you think you have an award-winning projects and developments. And for more information, you can visit www.asiapropertyawards.com. And we look forward to seeing the entries. Chairperson Paul? I have been associated with the Asia Property Awards for the past eight years, and I'm just happy to be able to report that over the years, I have seen this awards program move from strength to strength with an increase in the level of participation and in the standard of developers, uh, designers, and professional firms getting involved. The best have always been here regardless of the economic cycle, regardless of property cycle, regardless of pandemic. What we have seen is the Asia Property Awards pushing the entire Asian property market and the hotel development market onto a higher stratosphere, moving from strength to strength. And all of you have been contributing to the success of the program. Don't wait for the organizers to call you. Call them up. Get in on the ground floor. Get your participation well recognized. You all have wonderful projects. 
Don't let them go to waste. See you at the final awards evening. Thank you. Once again, our deepest appreciation to all our judges for generously devoting your time and expertise to our awards program. We would also like to remind everyone that nominations are open until the 30th of September, so make sure to send in your entries on time. Submissions are accepted at asiapropertyawards.com. Special shout out to our partners this year, official channel partner, History, official PR partner for Mainland China, MMG, official PR partner for Hong Kong and Macau, Artemis Associates, official ESG partner, Bondek Foundation, media partners for Hong Kong and Macau, Ming Tiandi, Yacht Style, Luxuo, Palace, supporting associations for Mainland China, Global Design Awards Lab, IFC, Excellence in Design for Greater Efficiencies. Official magazine, Property Guru, Property Report. Official supervisor, HLV. There you have it, the distinguished judging panel of the ninth Property Guru Asia Property Awards, Mainland China, Hong Kong, and Macau. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you in the next episode.